everyone. Welcome to the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and home of Cubs Checking. To learn more, go to wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. I'm here with Bruce Levine. We're here in beautiful Southern California, Carlsbad, California at the GM meetings. Bruce, we just wrapped up day two. What have been your main takeaways from the last couple nights? Well, you know, Andy, I think it's really interesting with uh, hearing so much about the collective bargaining agreement that might be impacting baseball and blocking uh, baseball from starting on time next year. We're hearing from most of the general managers and Hoyer as as well as, you know, being the president and the new general manager, uh, Mr. Hawkins, we're hearing an awful lot about how it's business as usual and that uh, the teams are talking trades, they're talking to agents who represent free agents, and that it's no different than any November where everybody's getting their ducks in order and getting ready to go with uh, the off season. even though there's that dark cloud hanging over everybody, it's not impacting their work. No, and, and that's, that was kind of my main takeaway too was, you know, it, it would have been easy. I, th- I think around the baseball narrative is, is about the CBA and what's going to happen, what's going to happen. But if you're front office, you know, if you're just like, well, there's going to be a shutdown or something or there might be a shutdown, let's, you know, sit back, then you're already behind the eight ball and you're, you're putting yourself back. And that's not at all what the Cubs are doing. And we saw that, right, even before the, the, everything started with the Wade Miley um, acquisition, claiming him off waivers and picking up his option. That's, you know, kind of been my main takeaway. And, and, and another thing, too, that Jed Hoyer spoke about it, was, you know, you have to be flexible, right? Like, you can go in with the most perfect plan, but well, Wade Miley can become available, and then everything changes completely, and, and you, you kind of have to pivot, and you have to be ready to do that. Andy, what are you, what are you seeing here from uh, the interviews you've done with Hoyer and the interviews uh, you've done with Hawkins? Uh, what, what's your sense of where they're at? Well, I, I think they're kind of, you know, re- prepared for anything and ready for, for what they want to do. They, they have their goals starting pitching. Wade Miley was a good first step, but they, they want to get more swing and miss guys. They, they mentioned that. They, they, they've mentioned plenty of times, hey, there's plenty of spots open uh, on, on this roster. You know, there's not, there's not, it's not like in the past, right, where you were pretty set on a lot of positions. There's plenty of openings on this roster. They know and they're, they're ready to go kind of fill those holes. The other thing, too, that, that was really, you know, I think my favorite anecdote from the whole weekend was uh, on Monday, all the GMs are kind of, you know, mingling or, you know, in their meetings. And, and Jed and, and, and company, they're not here. Uh, and, and we're like, well, where's Jed? Where, where, where are these guys? Well, they decided to road trip because they, you know, it was tough getting a flight out on Monday after they stayed an extra day in Phoenix. So they drove the five and a half hours, six hours from Phoenix um, to, uh, to Carlsbad here. And what I just found most interesting was just the, the, the team bonding that came out of that. Um, you know, uh, Jared Banner uh, was, was firing away, the vice president of special projects was firing away questions to uh to the group and then figuring out like hey like all you know trying to get to know each other and and that was just i thought a fun anecdote and and i wrote about it you can read about it more on marqueesportsnetwork.com but that was at least one of my favorite takeaways from from the last couple of days right hawkins said he wasn't a very good uh man at, at, at and the shotgun scene yeah and that it wasn't working out too well <laughs> him handling the uh the media for the sound for the trip yeah yeah he was not a good dj um, but he he said he did say he got bailed out because there was a lot of talking going around with the group. So it doesn't really matter what's playing when everyone's talking. Um, although in terms of uh, as a as a co-pilot, that was uh, that 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 might have some work on. But he was hired to be a general manager, not a, a co-pilot of a six-hour road trip. And we should remind people about the general managers meeting. So mm-hmm. in the off season, there's a general managers meetings, which is usually 
the first week after the World Series, and then the big meeting for Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball is the winter meetings, and that's usually the after the first week of December. And that's usually where most trades and free agent signings really start to take shape. This one is just, hey, we need to know what you're looking for. You need to know what we're looking for. The agents that you uh, see here, guys like Scott Boros, you know, some of the more recognizable agents, they're here putting out some numbers for the first time of what their free agents are expecting. Uh, guys like uh, Marcus Simeon uh, is one. Corey Seager is another. Uh, these are guys that Boros represents. And, of course, Chris Bryant. And he was here talking today at length about uh, – you know, what he wants from baseball, what he expects from baseball. But he also talked about some of his players, including uh, Nick Castellanos, who used to be a Cub. Correct. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that was something that is very much a talking point, right? You know, where are these guys going to go? Because as much as it impacts the Cubs, it impacts all 29 other teams, too. Uh, and, and this free agency is going to be big for, for the Cubs, especially because, like we mentioned, there's plenty of holes to fill. And and, you know, whether it's the guys at the top end, but also there's those, those guys on that second end, you know, the, your Carlos Rodons, your Discofanis, your Gaussmans, like all those guys are, are guys that, you know, they're going to need somewhere to play. And there's definitely a, a fit for the potentially for the Cubs there. Andy, what do you think the number one need is? You know, Jed has talked to us uh, since last year about the need for pitching, controllable pitching. Mm -hmm. But is it still that or is it starting pitching? Is it bullpen where would you say they need to uh, really do their concentration? I really think it's at the starting pitching level for sure. Like the Miley signing was a good was a good start. Uh, you already have Kyle Hendricks and, and and Alec Mills has shown that he's he's a, a proven starter at the major league level. Uh, but the the question marks is after that, right? Edward Alzali can definitely contribute. Justin Steele can definitely contribute. Keegan Thompson can contribute. They've they've shown in spurts that they can contribute. But it's it's still unrealistic for them to you know to expect them to go out and make 30 starts in their first full big league season as starters. So it, you just need more pitching, and you need more power pitching, more guys that strike out. When you have a lot of contact guys that are relying on your defense, you know, it puts a lot of strain on the defense, and it, it, it could be, you know, it could cause some issues for the team. So you need to have that power pitching, and I think that's what they're going to be looking for, and that's what they've said they're looking for. Hoyer admitted that they have more resources now that the star players have been traded away, and a lot of that money was tied up in those mm -hmm. guys. That said, what is your sense about uh, where they'll go as far as their payroll and uh, how judicious they'll be looking at 2022, but also, you know, the progressive years going ahead? It's one thing Jed mentioned, right? You know, there's when you sign a contract, like, it's easy to just look at this upcoming year in 2022, but you have to be you have to be aware of 2025, 2026, and beyond because, you know, a contract is a long-term thing. You know, you have to worry about the aspect. So while they're probably going to add to the payroll, it's it'll be interesting to see how they do it and in terms of how many of those, if there are any of those long-term deals. And you touched on it. You had your conversation with Jed Hoyer. Let's take a look at Let's take a listen to see what he said and your conversation with him. Here with Jed Hoyer, the Chicago Cubs, and uh, Jed, uh, how would you describe to the folks back home what these meetings are about every year? Yeah, they've changed over the years. Uh, it used to be just a handful of people from every team, and now it's uh, we have six guys here. Uh, two are here yesterday and left. 
um, a lot of agents, a lot of media. So it, it's almost a, a mini winter meetings, but this one's different in the sense that it's kind of laying the groundwork. Um, initial meetings with teams, initial meetings with agents. Uh, so you don't expect to come out of here with deals, but you expect to have a good feel for what the offseason is going to be like after you leave here. Do you feel this is going to be a market where more driven by trade than free agent initially because of the unknown factor of the CBA and where that's going to lie? I think that's a possibility. We don't know yet, but obviously there is uncertainty. You know, I, I'm, obviously everyone's very hopeful of a deal on uh, December 1st, but there is uncertainty caused by that, and so that could, you know, it could slow, slow things up, but we just don't know yet, um, and so I think we'll have a better feel for that after, after this week. Uh, there'll be trade talk, there'll be agent meetings, uh, unclear about the timeline of either of those two things. You've talked about in the offseason building out. You've built out already your front office, and you yep. continue to do that. You've added a new pitching, a hitting coach in Greg Brown. Uh, tell us a little bit about him and building out your offense. Yeah, we uh, very impressive uh, in the interview process. Uh, he was a hitting coordinator uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays. We've done a fantastic job uh, in player development. I uh, think he was head coach for nine years at Nova, uh, Nova Southeastern. Uh, built up a really great uh, college program there. A uh, really good area scout for Houston. So a great baseball guy. A really good technical hitting coach. Big personality. Uh, so he was a, a very exciting guy to, to bring on board. And when you talk about building out the offense as you did, um, for the layman like myself, what, what would that necessarily entail? Yeah. I think the way uh, the hitting coach job has evolved, it, it, it's, it's changed in the sense of uh, it's very technical now. There's so much information. Um, you know, we have uh, so much data on every single swing. So having a hitting coach that can interpret that data, I think what the data does is allow us to uh, shorten slumps and make uh, physical changes quicker. Uh, but you have to have people that are, are comfortable with that information and can, can interpret that and, and give it to the player in a way they can make changes. And, and I think that's probably the biggest way the hitting coach job has changed. It used to be more about approach, um, you know, how this pitcher is going to attack you, um, some mechanics, and now it's really morphed into a more mechanical job. And our job as a hitting group is to have the mechanical part and the approach part and be able to blend those two things together really well. Speaking of uh, R&D, you hired a new assistant general manager in Essen, Bakari. Tell us a little bit about Mr. Bakari and what he brings to the table. We know he has a, a great metrics background, a brilliant yeah. guy. Uh, so he was with uh, the Dodgers. He was in their first analytics group uh, when uh, Andrew Friedman went over there. Uh, went from there uh, to run R&D with the Astros, and uh, he's kind of worked his way up the Astros a bit. And uh, he gives us a great new perspective. Uh, we have a really, uh, really talented R&D group uh, with the Cubs, but uh, having someone uh, like Essen, uh, who's had experience in two organizations that do it really well, uh, he's, a, he's got a great way about him, and I think he brings a nice new perspective, and uh, I think we can, all, we can all learn from him, and I, I think he'll probably learn from us as well. Jed, how are you enthused right now about the new infusion of people and ideas that are coming into your organization? Your first, uh, I mean, your first real year of uh, being able to put people together after COVID. Yeah, I mean, I'm super proud of what we built uh, going back to 2011. I think we've built up a great office and a great culture. Um, but, you know, I think it was a good time to sort of bring in some new ideas. You know, I think that, um, I don't want to say freshen things up a little bit, but we had uh, the same group together for a long time. Uh, we've had some really talented people leave to go to go to different organizations. You know, forget, you know Scott Harris left to go uh, be the GM of the Giants. And so, you know, having the ability to, uh, to, to bring other people in to the organization, it doesn't mean that we don't have talented people that can fill those roles, 
but sometimes you know, getting a perspective of someone that's been with the, uh, the Indians for a long time, uh, like Carter has, or been with the, the Dodgers and Astros like Essen has, it's a great new perspective that we haven't had uh, for a long time, in part because we had a really stable front office for a lot of years. Do you feel that new energy? I mean, uh, we know that people that you have retained are, are outstanding at what they do. Yeah. You know, Jeff Greenberg and Breslow are, are wonderful executives, but do you, do you feel a new sense of energy in that front office? I think everyone does, yeah. I think that, um, you know, we, I think, you know, given the, the, the trade deadline last year, um, you know, and, and given some of the new faces, it, it, there is a sense of, um, you know, uh, of newness to the office, you know, both in, uh, you know, what we're trying to do on the field and, and what we're trying to do in the office. And I think that's really valuable, you know. Um, uh, I think that uh, we can all learn from each other and uh, having new voices and new perspectives is, is really valuable in that. And so, I mean, I'm as, as energized as I've been in a long time. Uh, it's, uh, it's a fun time to, to try to, you know, uh, you know, figure out this puzzle that will get us back to, uh, to winning a World Series. Think back to when you were a kid growing up on the East Coast and uh, off-season, hot stove always meant trades. Yeah. I mean, excitement for the baseball fan. I know you can't reveal names or people that are interested in Cub players, but would you say that um, there are good avenues to make yeah. deals for you, knowing that your system is now really starting to show some young players that are viable not only to step up to your team, but interest to other organizations. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I totally agree that this is one of the, the fun things about baseball is that, you know, right after the season you get the hot stove action and there's always signings and there's always trades and, you know, we'll definitely be a part of it. And, you know, one of my favorite parts of this job is trying to put together deals in my head, like, you know, move the roster around, figure out how to, right. how to maximize everything. And, you know, you realize over time that, you know, one of every 100, 200, 500 ideas actually come to fruition. You have to constantly be thinking about different ways to do it because, you know, the most logical idea in the world that help, helps both teams, well, if the other side doesn't see it that way, it doesn't matter, right? And so um, for me, you know, I have ideas in my head about how we can improve our team, but really you, you get here this week and you get a chance to sit down with people and you realize pretty quickly like, oh, they, they see this the way I do uh, or that has no chance. And so um, there's a... Uh, inflating part of that when you when you get the positive response but there's also a deflating part of that when you realize like wait like my brilliant idea is not going to work <laughs> so i think we um you know certainly go through a lot of that and uh, that, you know, that's like i said it's one of the, the really fun parts of the job for me is trying to constantly figure out how to put deals together to help both teams because ultimately you know you always have to ask yourself you always have to put yourself on the other side of the transaction like why would they do this why would this other team do this make this move and so you're you're always trying to like engineer and re-engineer these deals to make sure that both sides feel feel like it makes sense. I saved the best for last, I think. I know the audience will let us know about it, and maybe you will as well. But getting Wade Miley, a veteran pitcher like that, without giving up a player, uh, without um, stumbling at all, uh, just bringing in a guy that can seamlessly go into your rotation for one year, um, that seems a remarkable deal to be able to get done in November. Yeah, we were excited about it. Now, obviously, we've we've stated many times that I think bringing in innings in the starting rotation and, and really throughout the the pitching staff is the most important thing for us this winter. And I mean, this is a guy that's um, you know pitched really well the last two full seasons. Um, hit the first five months of each of the last two full seasons were excellent. Um, strike thrower, uh, really good teammate. Uh, yeah, we were excited to to get that done. There's a lot more work to. To be done. We have a lot more moves we need to make, but 
uh, we felt like that was a really nice first move um, to our off season. We were, like I said, we were really excited to bring Wade on board. Adding 160 innings to your staff, I mean, that's got to be a, a feel good for David Ross. Yeah. It's Tommy Hadovy, everybody on the team knowing that you got this veteran who also, you having done your homework, is considered one of the great teammates. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's like 1,440 or so innings we have to we have to figure out during the course of the year, and whenever you can, uh, you know, take a big chunk away from that, and, and a guy that's a you know a veteran, stabilizing presence, and a good teammate, that's fantastic. And I think that's one of the hardest parts of our job now is that it used to be that, you know, the goal was to get a thousand innings out of your starting rotation as a group, and then you get you know 440 or so innings as a as a bullpen, and that ratio is really skewed. And so now um, you have to divide that that 1400 up a lot different ways. And uh, like I said, adding Wade was a, a really good part of that of that equation for us. Jed, thank awesome. you. Thank you. It was good stuff from Jed Hoyer with, with you, Bruce. Uh, what were your kind of main takeaways from, from talking to him? Andy, my main takeaway is don't don't you think they could have got a younger guy to interview Hoyer? But, <laughs> you know, it really, uh, I, I think Hoyer seems so very optimistic and enthused with energy with his new front office. And, and the guys that he has now with him. It's not like uh, the other guys that are left back from uh, previous years and some of the guys that have moved on weren't uh, in the, in the uh, throes of, you know, wanting to get things done. But now he's got new energy, you know. He's got, he's got his new general manager. They have a new assistant uh, general manager who uh, comes from uh, Houston. You know, and Essen Bocchieri is a guy that is going to bring a lot of uh, new ideas. Both both Hoyer and Hawkins are looking forward to working with him. So there's a new energy that I sense about Hoyer, and, and I really felt that during the interview. Yeah, and you mentioned Essen Bocchieri, and, and Carter Hawkins talked about him today. He had his media availability. Um, what were your kind of some of your takeaways from, from hearing him talk to, you know, really the first time since, you know, he was introduced uh, in a large scrum setting with, with the media. Andy, really, to, to tell you the truth, I'm uh, really impressed by how polished he is. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, you know, we're getting a young guy. He's been around a little bit in Cleveland, but it's a smaller market. Yeah. But I, I think he handles the media side beautifully. He gives you just enough so there's something there, but he doesn't show his cards. Mm -hmm. So so this is a, a, a young guy with his first GM job, but... I think he's savvy beyond his years. So I think he's going to be really good in this job. As reporters, like you and I are, we're going to really have to fight and show that we know what we're talking about yeah. to get the very most out of him because he's just not going to throw out all the information. At the same time, he wants to be open, and he said so with Cub Nation and let people know what they're trying to do for the future. So that end, um, let's take, take let's take a listen to some of those polished uh, interviewing skills. You sat, you got a chance to talk with him okay. uh, for a little bit. Here with Carter Hawkins and Carter, uh, how would you describe your first meetings here with the GMs as a GM? Well, we actually got here a little bit late uh, yesterday. We were in the fall league watching a couple of our guys and did a. Uh, uh, had a flight cancellation, unfortunately, and ended up having to do a six-hour car ride together here to San Diego. So got here late. So I guess what I would say, it's been a little bit uh, of a whirlwind uh, just getting in, but uh, it's definitely been fun to kind of come in with a new position and spend some time with the guys with the Cubs and also see some people that I haven't seen in a long time. So did you happen to be at the game where your team was down 10 nothing, and they came back with the big innings to we were. 
We yeah. were indeed, yeah. It was an interesting one. We missed the last few innings but because we had to do the car ride. Right. But uh, I got to see Killian throw really well, and it was uh, fun to see Velasquez and Weber and all those other guys. Taking all this in, Carter, what has been the first few weeks of being the general manager for the Cubs like? Uh, the whirlwind for you and your wife, uh, you know, how has that gone? Yeah, it's been a, a drinking from a fire hose type situation. Um, all great things. There's just so much information that the Cubs have and getting to know all the great people. Um, it's been, uh, I wouldn't say overwhelming, but definitely whelming, uh, I guess you could say. So um, but we've had a great time and uh, looking forward to just continuing to get settled in. You guys were so stealth right away out of the box, claiming uh, Wade Miley off of waivers. Uh, I guess it's the good fortune of having finished a little bit down in the standings, if there's anything good about that, and then you guys being ready to strike. Yeah, I mean, it obviously was an opportunity that, you know, we decided not to pass up that we didn't necessarily expect, you know, just several days before, but um, great to get starting pitching into the system and then into our organization and, you know, be able to do that, you know, in a kind of a quick move to start the off season. We we're pretty excited about it. Jed talks about building out your offense, and you guys have hired a new hitting coach in Greg Brown. What exactly would that mean, you know, building out and, and trying to get to a point with your hitters uh, of, you know, advancing their games? Yeah, I mean, obviously offensively we're trying to score as many runs as we possibly can. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do that. You can hit for power. You can hit for average. You have to make really good decisions as a hitter in terms of the pitches that you swing at. You have to understand how pitchers are trying to attack you. And we felt like Greg had a great just base of knowledge in all those different areas and felt like he'd be able to pull those together for our guys and hopefully score more runs so we can win more games. Putting together the 2022 team is what the Cubs fan base really is looking at. But you guys have to look at 22, 23, 24, 25 with your payroll and your real uh, ideas about where this team can go. How difficult of a chore is that? It's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's difficult. Um, it's fun. It's a challenge. It's uh, you know, something we're trying to, to think about, how can we help our team win as many major league games as possible? And sometimes that means that we make moves for the long term. Sometimes it make, means we make moves for the short term or we don't make some moves for the short term that maybe from the outside seem like moves that we should make. And that's all to say that, you know, we have the same goals as our fans do, you know, to, right. to bring championship baseball, you know, back to the city of Chicago. And um, that's, that's not a chore. You know, that's a, that's a fun opportunity. And, you know, we just look forward to digging into it every day. Pitching remains the organization's main object. I guess that's kind of silly to say because that's every team's major object. And you guys specialized in developing pitchers in Cleveland. Uh, when you look at the free agent market out there in the trade market, um, I know Jed is counting you to help identify some of those players that, uh, that you can bring in. How do you go about that? Yeah, I mean, try to look at kind of the whole body of work. For a pitcher, you look at you know his performance. You look at how he achieves his performance in terms of you know whether he's a strikeout guy, whether he's a contact guy. You look at his delivery. You look at his age. You look at all the different pieces of the puzzle to try to put together to have a better understanding of what he's going to do. You know we know what he did, and now we're trying to make the decision of what is he going to do. Um, and I think if you look at that really holistically and talk to the right people and think about things deliberately, like there's a really good chance that, that you can make good predictions. In the past, for a hundred and fifty years teams always said, let's bring that player into our organization. Our coaches will get more out of them than ever before. That's advanced now to not only our coaches and our people, but our R&D departments will find a way to make this guy better. Um, how important is that for the Chicago Cubs to continue that trend of 
moving forward with R&D and looking at players beyond what they've done right now? Yeah, it's the exact same question they were asking 100 years ago. You know, how do I make this guy better? How do I make his fastball faster? How do I make him miss more bats? How do I make his breaking ball curve a little bit more? And literally, those are not any different questions. It's just we have different ways of, of answering it. We have different information to inform us on that. And, you know, there's a lot of different people that are gathering that information, in addition to the information that coaches and scouts have always had, uh, to try to make even more informed decisions. And it's a really fun process when you get, you know, 100 different people working towards one goal and then bring everybody back towards it. And um, I really feel like the Cubs have a great opportunity to continue to do that well. Cub fans, should they expect trade, free agent, or a combination of, as you guys have always said, what's intelligent, what's the smart thing to do for the organization? I think you know all of the above are certainly uh, on our radar and trying to make great decisions to, to bring in wins for now and in the future and do that in a way that allows us to you know have some flexibility in, in the decisions that we make down the line as well. And you know, hopefully that leads us to you know the next great Cubs team and uh, really excited to, to start that process here in San Diego this week. Carter, coming in with a fresh set of eyes, uh, do you think having a different perspective on the players that are here is uh, a key component of what you can do and you know what uh, Mr. Bakari is going to do with coming in as an assistant, just having the perspective from other organizations and a, a different view of Cub players. I think it can help. You know, there's certainly things that you know teams know about their own guys that uh, the other 29 teams don't know. And you know, I think if I had to pick one, I'd rather be the team that had the guy for longer to know him more uh, more effectively. But I do think you know that other organizations look at things in different ways and that can kind of layer on top of that information that the Cubs already have and you know, hopefully that makes our, our decisions a little bit more informed, our forecasts a little bit better and uh, I know that you know, we're all excited about trying to, trying to make things improve things day over day. How are you at, uh, remembering names and how many of the GMs and the presidents that you didn't know before have you learned here at the meetings? <laughs> so I, I definitely know the GMs and the presidents. Those guys have been around for a while for the most part, and a lot of them were, you know, ex-Cleveland Guardians or Cleveland right. Indians. Um, so uh, those guys I know. You know, I think all the media and, and all the people in the Cubs organization, you know, I'm probably about 50% of the way there. I think by the time spring training comes around, I'll know everybody. Give the uh, fans a sense of what you feel as far as if the CBA is impacting people and making people hesitate right now? Yeah, I mean, really, from our standpoint, you know, this is business as usual. You know, the, anything with negotiations is, is out of our control. Um, you know, we're optimistic that uh, MLB is going to be able to, to come to an agreement, and, and that's uh, certainly everybody's goal here. And, you know, for us right now, it's, it's just do what we can to help the Cubs out and let these other things play out in the background. Carter, thanks a lot. Thanks so much, Bruce. At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With Cubs checking, you'll score a Cubs debit card so you can show your support every time you pay. Open today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. $100 required to open. Member FDIC. Good conversation with Bruce and Carter. Uh, Bruce, you know, as, as things start to heat up, as the hot stove starts to heat up, uh, are there any names that you're kind of keeping an eye on? Well, a lot of my scouting sources have told me that there's two or three teams already interested in talking to the Cubs about Ian Happ. They believe that uh, there's a tremendous amount of upside for Happ at age 27, even with the struggles those first four months and then coming on and being one of the best players in baseball the last couple months. There's been that type of progress before for Happ. Uh, you, you remember back to when he came up in 2017, and then all of a sudden he struggled 
the next year, had to go to the minor leagues in 2019 for three months, came back for a month and a half and was one of the better players. So there's a lot of teams out there paying attention to Ian Happ. I don't know if the Cubs would trade him, but he's he's young. He's still controllable for a couple more years, but that's a name that's out there. They, they really believe in uh, Ian Happ. So uh, we'll see if uh, the Cubs would be willing to part with him. I don't, I don't think they would without uh, giving up some, getting something back they really feel special. Yeah, and, and that was you know another thing that I kind of took away from, from the last couple of days was that they, they mentioned you know as great of a season as Frank Schwindel had or Patrick Wisdom had or Rafael Ortega had, you know, they have the flexibility that they, they can move them around and, and play them in different positions. If you know if they see a third baseman that they like in free agency or in the trade market or whatever, they're not going to you know say, well, we're, we're tied to Patrick Wisdom or we're tied to Frank Schwindel. You know, they're going to be creative in what they're doing. And they, they proved that with the Wade Miley signing. Um, you know, as they mentioned, you know, they wanted high strikeout and, and power arms. But when you have a guy like Wade Miley who had, you know, like a 6.0 war right. last season, when he becomes available, it's a no-brainer to, to, to take him. Andy, it's about innings and it's about outs mm-hmm. and any way that you can get them. Yes, you need power arms to get swing and miss. Teams don't want balls getting putting in play. But – that's the game of baseball. Yep. If you have a Kyle Hendricks, if you have a Wade Miley, there's reasons why they've been successful and mm-hmm. been around for a while. They're rarities now because many teams are scouting just power arms. Right. And it's very difficult for a pinpoint pitcher to make it through because teams don't believe in them. I mean, even if they're successful, the AA, AAA, the, the directors of those teams, the general managers, they're not quite sure if they're going to be able to repeat that at the major league level velocity is velocity and you can count on it and it's it's kind of dumbed up a lot of teams in baseball because it takes away the idea that we have to develop all different kind of pitchers if you have huge velo you can get away with a lot and you get away with a lot of missing areas so it takes a little bit more to develop guys like Miley's and Hendricks. Bruce this was fun Uh, I'm just saying the next time we do a Cubs Weekly podcast, I would not mind uh, being sent to Carlsbad to, to, to do That'd it. That would be awesome. And Andy, work on trying to get a, a younger interviewer for Hoyer next time. I'll put that, I'll put that, that request out there. That will do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and on YouTube.